Hi, I'm Preston Carr, and I'm the Executive Director at Christian Care Retirement Community. I've been the Executive Director for almost two years now at Christian Care, and before that I was the Assistant to the Executive Director for about a year, and I also did some shared duties as an Administrator. So I've been there four years altogether almost. When you were a kid, when you saw an opportunity like this, was this something within the realm when you were younger that you wanted to do? For the rest of your life? I definitely didn't think I would uh, be working in the senior uh, living industry or nursing industry. That was never on my radar whenever I was growing up. And uh, it definitely was something that kind of came about pretty organically after I kind of started my working career in Wells County. It, it all kind of played out that way. What about your family? Was anyone involved in this field or how did? No, in fact, um, my dad was a banker. Uh, I didn't have anyone that really had worked in the senior nursing industry or anything like that, nursing homes. I actually have never even had any grandparents that have been in a nursing home or great-grandparents, hardly. So my exposure to senior senior living com communities and nursing homes was almost nothing before I really ended up going to Christian care. If I'm not mistaken, are you a Norwell guy, Bluffton? Yeah, I went to Norwell High School in the early 2000s uh, until about 2007 when I graduated. 2007, notorious class. A lot of athletes. Did you of, play any sports? A lot of athletes. I was, not a, I was not an athlete. No, I, uh, I spent more time in the student council, and uh, I was class president all four years, and so that was kind of more my niche. Spent some time doing some other academic stuff. Student council to executive director at a young age. That shakes out pretty well. <laughs> what did you study in college? I went to IPFW. Uh, in Fort Wayne and I studied business. My actual concentration was in marketing and so I'm a far cry from doing any marketing. Uh, I could probably relate actually more with what you're doing in some cases but that was my formal training. But I spent a lot of my time in the business school and so I ended up getting a business degree. In college what were some of the things that uh, caught your eye and how is that kind of correlated into what you're doing now on a day-to-day -day basis, like any projects or anything like that? Well, you know, I actually started out as a computer science major. Technology was really kind of my thing whenever I was growing up. I always had a real innate interest in technology, computers and things like that. And that was back at a time whenever com computers were a little bit easier to work on and, and get into because it was a lot of desktops and hardware components that were easily swapped in and out. It wasn't these tiny laptops and phones and tablets. So it was much easier for a young person to get involved in technology at that point, I felt like. And when I got to school, I realized pretty quickly that my personality just was not going to be uh, conducive to me sitting in a room full of coding program people and never talking to anyone with the lights turned off. And if I had seen another if while loop, which is a coding term, I was going to jump out of a window. So I decided pretty early on in college that I was going to go ahead and switch over to the business side because I realized that I had a passion for business and that stemmed a lot from when I was in school, high school, middle school, college. It, it really was something I started to do on my own as an entrepreneur with some different side businesses and things. And so once I got to college, I realized, you know what, business is probably going to be where I need to head. You mentioned side businesses. What all did you have your hands into? I mean, cutting my, grass or? Yeah, I mean, my first foray into business really started when I was 12 years old and my dad was willing to let me borrow his Honda push mower and uh, he would tote me uptown uh, we'd put it in the back of our SUV and he'd drop me off uh, for an hour or two on Saturday mornings 
and I'd cut the grass at a, uh, an animal clinic that was up there in Austin where I grew up. And that was really my first dive into business and kind of being in business for myself in a way, even though I didn't really have a technical business, I didn't have all the trappings that go with businesses, cards and letterhead and all that. I was at least doing a service for somebody. And I realized pretty early on after doing that, that, you know what, I can make some money doing this. And if I'm willing to take some initiative and effort uh, to get up and go do that every week, I'm going to get some payback. And so I, I really started to get the entrepreneurial itch after that, because over the next probably 10 years, I took that single customer and I grew it into 16 customers. And pretty soon I was driving all over Austin and Wells County, different places, mowing people's yards and expanded into fertilizing and landscape stuff. And we even got into snow removal at the end. And so it was really a good, a really good uh, teaching moment for me when I was getting, uh, as I was growing up on how to go out, talk to people, you know, not be afraid to get told no. And uh, it really gave me some good sca uh, sales skills for later on, uh, especially as I eventually I went to First Bank of Burn and actually started doing more of a sales role. And so it was really good. It was a good uh, first experience for me with business. Compared to your experiences being an entrepreneur, would you say that you learned more during your experiences growing up, testing out all these different businesses and cutting your teeth, doing it that way, you learned more, or you learned more traditionally in school studying quote unquote business? One of the key things that makes people successful rather of any type of business is their ability to work hard. The grit, determination, the tenacity that they have, um, stick to itness, right? Those are the qualities, that's the defining trait, in my opinion, of truly successful business people. Sure, some people are just fortunate, they land in the right spot at the right time, and things take off, and it is what it is, but majority of the people that you can look at uh, that have been really successful in our time, uh, in recent decades in our society, have been people who have really had the ability to work hard. And maybe they haven't always worked harder, and maybe they've worked smarter, but they still have the ability to be persistent. And so back to your question, I think really what it comes down to is I learned how to be persistent. I learned how to work hard whenever I was kind of doing my own little thing as a quote unquote entrepreneur, mowing people's yards and things like that and trying to find other services to add on top of it so that I could produce more income and things like that. But I think it also had to happen where I did need to have some formal training. And so I do think that education in business is a great tool that can be added to kind of your arsenal as a business person. And I, I think you miss out if you don't have the opportunity to get some formal training in one way or another. And uh, that definitely became apparent to me as I started working at the bank and uh, First Bank of Burn several years later um, when I was getting out of college because that was all financial. And those are the types of things that you don't learn just sitting on your own or doing your own business necessarily. There are some technical details that you have to kind of learn and be trained informally if you really want to go somewhere, I think, long-term business-wise. but. Around this time, you've got uh, multiple businesses that you're juggling, studying, school, uh, juggling a lot. Is this also yeah. around the same time that you met your wife? My wife and I actually became good friends when we were in high school. And so I had known her for several years before I kind of got into college. But yeah, it was at the same time that I was kind of doing my own entrepreneurial things. Um, she and I were in a church youth group together. And so we spent a lot of weekends just hanging out with a lot of our different friends and 
and uh, we kind of were we hung out in a, a pretty large group uh, setting, and so um, but we got to know each other pretty well during that time, and uh, we're only a few months apart in age, so it, it made sense that we kind of had similar interests, connected at different in different ways because of our life experiences. So, but it wasn't until I got about halfway through college that we actually uh, started kind of courting, uh, I guess you could say, and then got engaged. <laughs> and, and then ultimately we got married while I was still in school. So it's a pretty quick turnaround. Wait a minute. Hold on. I'm doing the math there. Were you guys only dating for a couple of years before you got married? Well, you got to remember. So uh, within the apostolic Christian church, the church that I attend, we don't actually date. There's really more of a group dating concept and so that was kind of how we really kind of I guess you could say quote-unquote dated during that time was it was more in a group setting it really wasn't just a one-on-one type of thing and so we knew each other pretty well uh, just by being around each other because it it was about six or seven years almost that we spent time together just week in week out different settings different places different things and um, and you know our faith we both had become born-again Christians born-again believers, and so uh, we felt pretty pretty compatible with each other, even just from the standpoint of our convictions and kind of our philosophies of life, and so, yeah, we had a pretty quick turnaround. It was about five months that we were engaged before we got married, but we already knew each other pretty well for several years before that, And uh, but during that period of time before we got married, we had then we had more of a one-on-one relationship at that point, so. Fresh off the heels, getting married, you have your degree. Uh, I'm assuming you're working at First Bank of Burn now. Yeah, right whenever I was getting out of college, um, I can remember actually where I was when I got a phone call from a friend, and he's a few years ahead of me in life, and he just mentioned to me that, hey, you know, just wanted to be you to be aware that First Bank of Burn is hiring. They're looking for a, a business banker, commercial lender uh, at the time, and uh, it's something I think that you might be good at. Why don't you give them a call? And I was like, all right, great. And so I really had no idea what First Bank of Burn, who they were. Um, I knew they were a bank, so I knew that they had to do something with loans and money and stuff like that. But uh, I did feel more comfortable in that setting just because, like I said, my father had been in banking for a long time. And uh, I just had lots of other, I have an uncle who was in banking. And so I spent a lot of time even as youngster in banks because my mother would take me there a lot. She kind of showed me how to go into a bank, how to transact things, how to do stuff. And so it was comfortable to me to actually go to that setting. But yeah, we, I went in went for an interview and uh, they seemed to like me. And even though I was young and I had no experience, I think they saw that there was probably some underlying traits, character skills that were taken from my days of being a persistent entrepreneur. And I think they saw that I could work hard and I had determination and they thought, all right, let's give this guy a chance. And so that I ended up I remember I was in the uh, in the office and they told me, all right, Preston, here's what we kind of do. Here's how it's going to work. Go ahead and go make loans. And uh, it wasn't that it wasn't that subtle. Obviously, it was (laughs) there's a little bit more to it. But um, yeah, so I ended up being at First Bank of Burn for five years then. And that was an excellent uh, first start to my career. I didn't realize it at the time, but it was a really great place for me to not only gain more financial skills, and really learn about how credit works and loans and businesses. Um, it really taught me how businesses work. You know, whenever I was doing basic lawn care stuff for myself and things, that really created a passion for business, right? But once I actually 
started being in and around business customers that I was serving, uh, reviewing their financials, looking at their strategy, things like that, seeing how they grow, seeing how they do things. I started to realize how businesses actually work in a more refined, detailed way than what I had ever really experienced firsthand with a small, small business like I had been doing with lawn care. And so I've always kind of credited First Bank of Burn as being a really great place for me to kind of mature and develop as a young person and a young executive, I guess I would call myself at that point, professional. And it really is, you know, thankfully, I'm thankful to them for the experience that I had because uh, it really opened the door to a lot of new opportunities for me. It got me involved in the community here in Bluffton, Wells County. And it also gave me a real opportunity to get to meet one-on-one with business professionals, business owners, some who were very successful in what they were doing. And I was able to learn and glean things from them that I would have never had that opportunity just by being out in the community and maybe in another way. So it was pretty cool. What you're telling me is uh, if you're a small business and you barely know what you're doing, you just have to go work at First Bank of Burn for five years. <laughs> and then you'll be, yeah, then you'll be, uh, yeah, you'll know exactly what you're doing. Then, so. <laughs> First Bank of Burn. From there, uh, you're married at that time. I was, yeah. I, Any yeah. kids? We had uh, one child, one one boy, our son Griffin, during that time that I was at the at First Bank of Burn. And so, yeah, balancing family, you know, balancing this early career, kind of getting my feet on the ground, learning life and uh, learning how that works. And I actually started taking into an interest in uh, real estate at that point then too. And I think it was actually because dealing at First Bank of Burn, I was working a lot with real estate in my position, did a lot of loans related to agriculture, so ground and things like that. But, but really more, I did a lot of um, buildings and homes and stuff like that, commercial properties. And so that really gave me a passion for real estate and gave me an appreciation, I would say, too, for the value of real estate and how assets really are uh, a foundation for personal wealth, but even professional like business wealth for companies. And uh, so that's when I decided to get into some um, residential rentals. That was one thing that I, I did during that time too. And uh, that was an interesting eye opener as well. That taught me a lot about people. That taught me a lot about a different side of business that I had never really seen before being a landlord. So in Wells County, there's kind of this, uh, feeling that there's really sort of a housing crisis, I would say. Yeah. There's a lot of people that would say, uh, well, unless you want to live in a house where there's five or six different units and you're going to pay 400 bucks a month for that, yep. then you're kind of out of luck. Is that something that you saw uh, somewhat commonly in the area or is that just totally blown out of proportion? I definitely think that there is a segment of residential housing that would really be unattractive to a majority of people. And I think it's unfortunate at times whenever, you know, landlords allow their philosophy of operation to become all about the profits and and not really taking a greater interest in the overall safety, aesthetics, things like that, um, just livable conditions like they probably should. I know for myself, whenever I was doing it, it really was always my purpose to try to have a clean, safe environment for people to live in. And so I think a lot of times it, it kind of has comes down to personal preference and what people want to do with their, with their properties and probably speaks a little bit to, I would say, maybe some of the demographic in our community too, who's willing to accept certain living conditions. And they probably don't really have much of an option. 
because that's the only type of inventory that's available. And so sometimes it's kind of whatever's left is what you have to take. But um, it definitely is encouraging to me to see a greater interest from our community, even in the recent years, uh, trying to find ways to improve our housing supply and making sure that we do have good livable housing um, that's affordable for people to be able to stay in and, and live in and, and not feel like it's something that's beneath them. I think that's really important for a community. And I think it helps give people more self-worth, more confidence whenever they are able to live in a place that they find attractive. I know I have a friend who has been in uh, an apartment for quite a while and, and he used to be pretty ashamed of, of wanting to have people over, you know, just because he felt like it wasn't a real nice place and things. So, you know, I think there's a lot of different opportunities for growth, hopefully in our community, as people continue to look at ways of providing good, clean, safe housing that people can be proud of. I'm starting to see all of the pieces kind of fall into place here when we go back and think on your entrepreneurial youth, starting up all these different businesses. And that's sort of how you learn the hustle side of things. And Definitely. then pivoting over to First Bank of Burn, learning the business, learning uh, the business aspects and finances and how to dot the I's and cross, cross the T's, things along those lines. And now being a landlord, we're also kind of scratching that residential itch where you mentioned as long as everything's clean, everything's in good order, you know, you're just trying to provide a healthy experience for everyone that uh, works with you. Yeah. And, you know, also, I mean, I think about where I'm at now with uh, Christian care and um, being a landlord gave me a lot of good property maintenance skills. And I'm not talking about going and fixing things. I'm not good at that at all. And we have people that do those things for sure. I don't do those things at Christian care, but you know, it gave you an understanding of how insurance works and how liability works. And it gave you an understanding of how to deal with contractors and how to work with someone who's a, you know, a tradesperson, how, what kind of things go into a, a physical structure, right? And, and just, it gave you a good appreciation for property maintenance, just managing a property. And uh, I think about where I'm at now at Christian Care, and, and I manage 64 duplexes now. And so it's like, this is one humongous landlord project that I'm doing every day now, right? And so I think it was really interesting to kind of look back now and see some of the weaving that happened uh, in my career so far. And to see some of those skill sets being kind of sharpened, like you mentioned, uh, to, to get to the point where I'm at now so that I can be effective in my position. We touched on Christian care a little bit just because all of those things are falling kind of in line perfectly and setting up for where you're up now. The last last we left off in your story, you were at First Bank of Burn, married with a kid. Um, did you go straight from First Bank of Burn to Christian Care, or was there some stuff in between? Yeah, you know, during that time when I was at First Bank of Burn, I really wasn't sure exactly where my career was going to go. I really, I was enjoying being a loan officer. I was enjoying, you know, working in the community. In fact, I, I got really plugged in with the Bluffton Now group and was kind of one of the charter members to help get that organization up and going. And that was a great opportunity for me through the bank to be able to get more plugged into my community, get plugged into a little bit more of, I'd say, the political side of our community with the downtown revitalization efforts and the city council and the mayor and working with those groups closely. During that time, I also still continued to have that entrepreneurial itch. And it wasn't something that I wanted to do full time, but it was still things that I felt were 
manageable for me to do kind of on the side in conjunction with where I was currently at for my professional career. And so, yeah, we started, my wife actually and I um, started a business. It was an online business. And it was right whenever this website called Etsy.com was just kind of getting up and going. And this was several years ago. At the time, it was a pretty new concept where people could make their own artists and crafts and things like that, homemade goods. And it was a basically a resale site that you could use uh, to help market your products. And uh, my wife is very creative. She's definitely more creative than I am. And she's also really handy. So she's really good at making things with her hands and doing stuff like that. And she came up with this really cool concept uh, to create wall decor art. At that time, actually several years ago, we had this huge problem in Indiana in the Midwest called the ash borer. And it was basically a bug that came through and destroyed all the ash trees. And she had a really cool idea to take these dead trees that were just kind of laying all over the place, chop them up, get some nice diameter sized log rings, paint them and hang them on a wall. And at first I was like, this really doesn't make any sense. How can we, <laughs> how are we going to sell something like this? Who's going to buy this? But then she had her first order and then a second order and then dozens and dozens and dozens more orders. And uh, the funny thing is I always tell people at one point she was actually probably earning close to what I was earning at the bank just by doing <laughs> this crazy online business. And that was a real cool thing though, to see that. Uh, it was a really good opportunity for her. And I think it also helped develop a really good relationship between she and I in a different way than we had ever had before because now we are working together uh, with this business kind of in the evening. We were, again, going back to the hustle, you know, we'd paint these things up and we'd prep them and dry them. And then, uh, you know, we package them up and ship them off and working with customer orders and all those things. And, and actually at one point we ended up having, uh, it got to the point where we needed to make sure that the quality was better. So we actually found a, a local person here in Wells County who actually would source the wood, kiln dry it, and then get it to us so that we could do more of the decorative part, the packaging and all that kind of stuff. So it was pretty cool to see that little business take off and grow. And then ultimately a few years after that, we ended up selling it and um, it was really cool. And that was right about the time that we had um, our son Griffin. And then just shortly after that, our second, our second child. And that was when we sold it for those reasons, but it was pretty cool. Oh, wow. So you sold the business. Was it to anyone local? Or? It was actually the, the supplier that we had been working with. And, uh, and now that guy, he, today he's actually doing his own, uh, reclaimed wood business and things. And he does a lot of great work for people with carpentry and inside work and stuff like that with really cool wood designs and stuff. Was he doing any of that reclaim work before? He was doing a lot of barn reclamation projects and things like that, uh, but wasn't really focusing on retail. He was doing a lot more wholesale and personal projects for people. So at first make it burn. You get a side business, and apparently, I, I don't even want to call it a side business. I mean, that's a that's a main business. That's another huge source of income for you guys, especially if it's almost matching your primary income. Yeah, it was great because my wife could stay at home, you know, with right. our son. Uh, she could work from home. We ran out of our garage, the business, and um, it was a real blessing. It was awesome. Everything seems to be going really well. Yeah. Do you start to, uh, I guess getting bored a little bit at first bank of burn trying to explore new opportunities i mean did the entrepreneurial itch that then blossomed into this crazy thing have you start thinking about things that you could be doing yeah i'd say so i mean i don't you know definitely makes sense that it would 
And um, there was other ventures and things that we tried, different things that we had done, invested a little bit of time and money into, and and those didn't really take off. And so you cut your losses and move on. And uh, thankfully, they were never anything that was significant that was going to you know put us backwards. But um, we always tried to be pretty good with our money and good with our time and, and resources. And But really, it came down to I got to the point at First Bank of Bern where I realized um, I started showing up each day to work. And I just realized that I, I really wanted to do something different. And actually, at that time, I had already been kind of approached um, by one of my clients. And that was first that was a Christian care. And because they were my client. And that's actually really one of the direct connections that I had with them. And so they came to me and they said, you know, hey, our executive director, he's getting ready to retire in a few years. Uh, we've enjoyed working with you through the bank and, you know, you're connected to the apostolic church. That's our stakeholder base. Uh, we'd like to see someone, you know, from the church, be able to come in and be a part of this organization long-term, just like our previous executive director, he was there for almost 30 years. And so they were looking for someone like that. And I think it fit the mold. I was younger, so I would have some time that I could actually come into the business, learn it and be there for a while. And I think they also knew that I had the business skills that I had been gaining at First Bank of Bern uh, to be able to handle the financials and things like that. And so we sat down and had a discussion and probably with over about a year's worth of time, it kind of developed this concept that, all right, it makes sense that I think we're going to go ahead and, and have you, Preston, come in and, and become part of our management team. And that's kind of the whole, the way that it worked out. So, And describe the difference to me between administrator and executive director, because looking at the path that was taken administrator almost kind of looks like a training route to executive director. Am sure. I correct in assuming that? Yeah. So I was hired in as, as technically the assistant executive director. Okay. The whole goal from the beginning was for me to come in and be the executive director at some point. Um, and at that time at Christian care, we had a administrator and the difference is really comes down to, an administrator is just another way of saying chief operations officer. And the executive director is really just another way of saying uh, chief executive officer. And so at the time when I came in, uh, it was never really the goal for me to become the administrator. One of the criteria was that I needed to get my administrator's license so that I would have the ability to step in as an administrator if need be, because it is a licensed position that every facility has to have. Through time and circumstance and just kind of luck, it all kind of played out to where the current administrator ended up leaving only about a year and a half into my time that I had gotten at Christian Care. Fortunately, I had just gotten my license, and as they were leaving then, it, offered, it gave me the opportunity to step in and really run the operations as the COO. And Honestly, that was actually one of the best things that could have ever happened. It was really difficult because it created a lot of stress in my life because here I was having to run a hospital setting, essentially, and I had really no experience doing that. And the medical field was something I had never spent any time in. But through that, it really helped ground me uh, for when I became the executive director because now I knew what it was like in the trenches what it actually was like for nurses and for CNAs and laundry people and our dining people, what they were going through each day. Because to get an administrator's license, you have to spend over a thousand hours in departments just observing, and then you get tested and stuff. But so I really built a relationship with a lot of the employees and staff at Christian Care during that time. 
And I think it helped them develop a trust. It helped them develop a real uh, connectedness to me. And probably not everybody enjoyed me, but for the most part, I think a majority of the people found me to be relatable then. And they could, you know, they could trust me and they, they knew that I was coming from the right spot. And that really is how it kind of worked out. So yeah, after we got through that whole process, you know, my executive director, he was ready to retire then. And so I was actually formally ready to go into the executive director role of which I was supposed to be doing, you know, a year or two before that. But we were able to thankfully promote uh, a gal, Donna Emschweiler, from within our organizational ranks. And she was able to take over this as the administrator once she got her license. And so it's been a journey this last four years at Christian Care, transitioning between these different roles and getting to go through the staffing crisis that we've had in our community and our country, really. You're going from a heavy bank background, entrepreneurial spirit, starting up different businesses, all these different successes. What sort of challenges did you face when jumping into the healthcare realm? Well, like I mentioned, just going into the healthcare industry alone, you think the banking industry is heavily regulated. Wait till you get to the healthcare industry, because now you go from taking care of people's money, which is definitely a very touchy subject, to now you're taking care of their health. And that's an even more <laughs> sensitive subject. So the regulations was a huge challenge, just getting up to speed on how does this industry work? What are all the regulations? You know, what do I need to know? How vast is this world that I'm getting into? And I would say the second thing probably was just going from a for-profit business to a non-profit business. There's definitely a paradigm shift there because First Bank of Bern we had shareholders. And so our duty was to make sure that our shareholders were happy. And that generally means a financial return. So making money is really the number one goal. In a nonprofit, yes, you have to be able to cover expenses. You have to have some type of money that you can use to reinvest in the company. So there has to be some type of, I'll say, quote unquote, profitability. But it's a very different mindset because now, it's a Christian organization, Christian care. It's serving elderly population, and you're doing it in a much different way than you would have done it in a for-profit business like a bank. So that human element, I think at times, that's probably been one of the challenges is I can probably be too black and white, and that just comes from being a banker. Things are very nailed down, buttoned up. It's black and white, literally contracts, things like that to now you're dealing with people's lives, you're dealing with people's family. And so having to be more empathetic, being able to come down and you know deal with the emotions that they go through with someone getting sick and then dying ultimately, you know things like that. That's definitely been some of the biggest challenges. Plus you have to remember too, I went from working with a small office environment at a bank of maybe 10 people to now I'm managing 170 people, three shifts a day, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. We never close. That was a huge change as well as getting used to the concept of you don't ever, you don't always see everybody that's in your business. You try to get around and see them as much as you can, but there's just people that you just sometimes don't hardly ever see. Those have been some of the biggest challenges though, definitely. What have been some of your favorite things about being uh, the executive director? I have really enjoyed getting to really serve the two different populations that we've got. And the first population is obviously our residents. So I really always had a good rapport with the older population in my world, whether it was church, family, uh, businesses, whatever. And I always got along with those types of people really well. And I think it's because 
by by design i'm just kind of a, an old soul as they would say and so i'm a little more old-fashioned than probably some of my contemporary peers and things like that so serving those folks though has been a real joy whenever you get to see them smile and thank you for helping them maybe it's just pushing them down the hallway in a wheelchair and taking them back to their room after they've been waiting in the dining room you know and they're done and they're ready to go back to their room um, a lot of times i get an opportunity to go into apartments and help residents with their technology maybe it's just making their tv work or fixing something that has a battery that needs replaced or something like that it's very simple those There's are the computer science background that's right <laughs> those have been the most rewarding and i would say too um just being able to have a family member come back after their loved one has maybe passed away and just hearing that family member say thank you so much for taking good care of my parent my mom my dad I knew whenever I left Christian care that they were in good hands. And that was, that's, that's a real comfort. That's a real reward for me and for the many other staff that work at Christian care to be able to hear that and know that we're doing a good job and taking care of their loved ones so much so that they don't even worry whenever they leave. So those have been some of the most rewarding things. And the second population is our, is our staff, our team members. We, it's been a real challenge trying to find enough people to be at Christian care 24 hours a day, 365 per year. That's a real challenge. It's hard work. It's tough caring for people. And it takes a real special person to do that. But when we find those people and they plug into Christian care, they understand what we expect. And then whenever they come to me just throughout a week, a month, maybe just once in a year, or maybe once in a blue moon, and they just tell me how much they appreciate some of the things that we're doing for them as a team member. Um, there are internal customers, right? We have external customers, which is our residents and families and community. We have internal customers, which is our staff. And so uh, just knowing that they're happy and satisfied, that makes me feel really good. And I'm thankful that we have a lot of those people. In your ventures, whether it be you know, in the banking realm, starting businesses, and now in your role at Christian care. Would you say that you've been successful in these things or what is your idea of success? I guess is what I'm asking. I think on paper, I think I could definitely say that my life has been a success at this point. Just the ability to be able to see the progression of all the things that I've learned and in the path that I believe God has put me on and the places that I'm going and have gone and I know that's going to continue. And I credit a lot of that to my faith and just really trying to put my life in the, towards the will that God has for me as a person. But yeah, I feel like even on a greater level, uh, success for me is really being able to uh, close my office door each day and just be at peace with what I've done for the day. To know that I was honest, I, w I had integrity, I tried to treat people fairly. And I tried to do my very best at whatever tasks were kind of before me for that day. And so, yeah, I feel that my life has been has been a big success just from a professional standpoint. It's not over yet. I got a long ways to go. So it's all about sustainability. And you got to keep getting up every morning and doing your very best to just continue to try to serve people wherever you're at. I do feel like also probably the greater success, though, has been on my personal side. I think you as a person have to have success personally 
before you're going to have success professionally. And the reason I say that is because I've seen it in my own life. The times whenever my personal life really wasn't as robust as it needed to be, your professional life suffers because all you can think about is your personal life. And so I think giving some just thought to that, it's so important, I think, for myself and for everyone to make sure that they've got those personal priorities really lined up straight. Uh, and, and for me, that starts with God. It starts with my faith. And after that, it goes to my wife, my family, my kids, and then my job comes next. And I think keeping that perspective and having that mentality is what's going to help set people on the path for the most success that they can possibly have, not only as a person, but even as a professional. If they're, like you mentioned, you still got a long way to go before retirement or anything along those lines. You've been yeah. very fortunate in uh, getting yourself in the position that you are at such a young age. If there is an end game to all of this, because I mean, you're very well spoken, you're connected within the community. What's next, man? State Senate? What do you got? What's coming up here? Nope, not at all. <laughs> I can put that definitely to complete rest that no political ambitions are going to come from me. So that's something that I feel like is better served for those that really have a passion for that. It takes a lot of energy, a lot of your, your soul, your time. There's a lot of great people that will be much better fitted to do stuff like that than I would. Right now, it's all about making sure that Christian care is the best it can be and uh, continuing to try to be a leader in my family, in my church, and uh, being a leader, obviously, at Christian Care. I think probably the end game for me is that I just want to continue to be be able to grow as a person and, and really learn as much of, about life as I can. And my ultimate goal is I would love to be able to take what I've learned and really share it back then with people who are younger than me. And, you know, I've always had a teaching spirit. That was something that I've always kind of enjoyed doing. And so I think long-term for me, being able to become more of a mentor, being able to become more of a coach, uh, not only for life, but also for professional uh, reasons, that's really what the end game is for me, is taking what I learn, passing it along to the next generation of people. And uh, I'm looking forward to doing that with my kids, honestly. My son Griffin's almost seven, and he's already starting to really pay attention to how dad acts and the work ethic that I put into life and the disciplines that I have. So I hope I can continue to do that professionally at Christian Care. And I know that's one of my one of my big goals for our organization going forward is I'd love to be able to see us have um, a greater focus on training and leadership development because I think that's one of the biggest things that we need in our society today is people who are ready and willing to become leaders um, so that they can continue to be the best human beings possible. Okay, Preston. Well, that's all I've, uh, I've got for you today. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. It's been great talking with you, Quinn. Uh, is there anything you'd want to talk about before we... Uh call today here no i think we hit everything pretty good. good thanks a lot for the opportunity to come and uh share my story well thank you for stopping by giving me a chance in this uh odd boardroom setting that we're <laughs> in we'll upgrade one of these days i just have to keep having the uh, entrepreneurial spirit and go work at first make a burn <laughs> <laughs> you're on your way you're doing just fine <laughs> <laughs> all thanks right thanks again. buddy appreciate it yep Thanks so much for listening. You can subscribe to us on all of your favorite podcast services to never miss an episode. If you want to directly support the show, you can reach out through our page and be recognized as a producer at the end of every show. I'm Quinn Kumfer, and you've been listening to the Attaboy Podcast from Tree Boy Productions.